The Westminster Confession of Faith was first published in 1646. It was the result of the hard work done by a group of men called the Westminster Divines. Their goal was to outline what they believed the Scriptures principally taught. And it has been said that the Church of Christ cannot be creedless and live. Thankfully, the Westminster Confession of Faith has been the creed of the Reformed Church for almost 400 years. This podcast seeks to point you to Christ, to help you navigate the Westminster Confession of Faith, and to see you understand what you believe and why you believe it. Welcome to This We Confess. Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 30 of Church Censures, Paragraphs 3 and 4. Church censures are necessary for the reclaiming and gaining of offending brethren, for deterring of others from the like offences, for purging out of that leaven which might infect the whole lump, for vindicating the honour of Christ and the holy profession of the gospel and for preventing the wrath of God, which might justly fall upon the church, if they should suffer his covenant and the seals thereof to be profaned by notorious and obstinate offenders. Paragraph 4. For the better attaining of these ends, the officers of the church are to proceed by admonition, suspension from the sacrament of the Lord's Supper for a season, and by excommunication from the church, according to the nature of the crime and the merit of the person. Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 90 of This We Confess. Last time out we began our look at chapter 30 of Church Censures, and we considered how the Lord Jesus Christ has instituted a government within his kingdom that is separate and distinct from the governments of this world. We reminded ourselves that the church has been blessed with elders, church officers, who have been entrusted with the keys of the kingdom. What are these keys? The preaching of the gospel and church discipline. Today we ask why church censures or church discipline is necessary and also what it looks like in practice. Helpfully in paragraph 3, the Westminster Divines give us five reasons why officers in the church are to engage in church discipline. Firstly, the divines say that church censures are to see offending Christians restored. Let's consider for a moment Joe. Joe has spread malicious gossip throughout a church, which has caused great harm to the reputation of an elder. Joe should be disciplined by the church government, but the purpose here isn't to destroy him. But by the grace of God, Joe will receive the censure of his church leaders with a sombre attitude. He will consider his ways, and then he will repent before Almighty God. The process of discipline is to see Joe repentant and reclaimed. We see this in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 20. Paul speaks of two brothers, Hymenaeus and Alexander. The word says, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. 
So Paul handing these individuals over to Satan is not for them to be destroyed, but so that they would repent, so that they would learn that blasphemy is not acceptable within the church of Christ. Paul's concern for these brothers in the Lord was that they would be restored. And secondly, church censures act as a deterrent to other church members. In the case of our imaginary friend Joe, other Christians will have witnessed his gossip and as a result, they will have seen the discipline exercised by the elders of a church as a result. These individuals will consider the consequences of Joe's sinful actions, and therefore they too will be moved to repentance and to a place where they carefully guard their ways so that they won't fall into similar sins and discipline. Paul says in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 20, As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. And so church censures have the goal of not destroying, but restoring the guilty individual. And they also act as a clear deterrent to others who are acting sinfully within a fellowship. But the Westminster Divines say that a third use for church censures is to purge out the leaven which might infect the whole lump. This isn't language that we use every day, and at first hearing it might sound a little strange. But the Westminster Divines have lifted this notion directly from the pages of Scripture. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 6 onwards, Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. In this instance, the Corinthians were unwilling to discipline those who had committed sexual immorality in the church. They had tolerated it, and they seemed to be arrogantly boasting about their approach. Paul's advice was that the sin of sexual immorality was to be purged from their fellowship. It may have been a sin of one or just two, but just as leaven has an impact on a whole batch of dough, so too sin infects the whole body of the church. Therefore, church censures act to purge sin from a fellowship. Now let us be clear at this moment that the church on earth will never be perfect on this side of glory. And even a church that is active in the work of church discipline will never ever be sin free. But equally, there are too many churches who are tolerant of sin and would never dream of trying to purge wickedness from their fellowship. But leaven leavens the whole lump. And so church officers should strive to purge wickedness from the body. And once again, this purging is not to destroy, but it has a pastoral goal. In 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 5, Paul speaks of the individual caught up in sexual immorality in this way. He says, You are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Paul does not want this guilty individual to be humiliated and destroyed, but instead he is thinking of the long-term picture. He wants this individual to be disciplined so that on the final day, this individual will be saved. Fourthly, 
church censures vindicate the honour of Christ and the holy profession of the gospel. Let's remind ourselves today of what Christ has accomplished for us. The wrath of God was poured out upon him. His blood was shed as a ransom for many. He descended into the torments of hell and he was raised for our justification. None of this is a trifling matter. The gospel is serious business. It is absolutely precious. It is literally life and death. And so no wonder the Lord Jesus urged us to not give dogs what is holy and to not throw our pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. The jewel of the gospel is not to be trampled by our fictional gossipy friend, Joe. And when sin rears its ugly head in a local church, the officers are to take seriously the call to exercise discipline. They may not want to do it, but the honour of Christ and his gospel is at stake. When a church engages in discipline, it is clear testimony to the world and to the church that we take sin seriously, just as our Lord Jesus went to Calvary to die for the sins of his people. And finally, a church that is not willing to engage in church discipline is a place that is in danger of falling under the wrath of God. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul would say this, That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. The Corinthians in this instance had taken the Lord's Supper lightly, and as a result, Paul says that some of them had grown weak and died. The church, therefore, is to take the covenant, the gospel, and the seals of it, baptism and the Lord's Supper, seriously. Those who thumb their nose at discipline and those who live sinfully and wickedly are to be faced down by the elders so that the fellowship does not experience God's just and disciplining anger. We are, as Jude says, to save others by snatching them out of the fire and to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So church censures are absolutely necessary in a local church with a five-fold purpose. But what do they look like in practice? The Westminster Divines, with great wisdom, do not offer a one-size-fits-all approach. Instead, they suggest that there are three paths of discipline in any church dependent upon a crime's severity and the attitude of the individual. The first path of discipline is admonition, or in simple terms, a telling off. Imagine our friend Joe again. An elder catches him in slanderous gossip, and immediately the elder rebukes him and calls him to repent. Joe is stunned and ashamed by the elder's admonition, and he quickly falls before the Lord in repentance. Joe knows that he has sinned and has been corrected by a word of admonition, a word of rebuke. We see this in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 12. We ask you, brothers, respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. But what if Joe doesn't hear the word of admonishment? What if he doesn't accept the word of rebuke? 
What if Joe does not respect the elder and instead he meets this rebuke with scorn? Joe has refused to listen and he continues on his merry way with scandalous gossip. The Westminster Divines, drawing upon sacred scripture, also suggest that discipline increases in scale and in severity. Joe did not heed the admonition, and so in such a case he should be suspended from the Lord's Supper for a season. This seems incredibly harsh in our current day and age, but it is perfectly in line with the Word of God. In Matthew 18, Jesus urges us in verse 17 that if an individual like Joe refuses to listen, then it is to be told to the church. And if he refuses to even listen to the church, then let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. If Joe refuses to listen to admonition, and if he still refuses to listen to the church, even when he has been suspended from the Lord's Supper, then Joe is to be excommunicated from the church. Once more, we see this in the Word of God. In 2 Thessalonians 3 and verses 14 to 15, If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. 1 Corinthians 5 and verses 4 to 5. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, You are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. And in Titus 3 and verse 10, As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. The Westminster Divines show us that sometimes excommunication is necessary. And yet, even in such an instance, we are not to treat the person as an enemy, but we are to warn them as a brother. And so the divines teach us that dependent upon the severity of the sin and the attitude of the individual, there are three paths of church discipline. Sometimes a word of admonition will do, and on other occasions the leadership of a body will move straight to excommunication. The sin of being caught in gossip, for example, is not as severe as the sin of a man who consistently beats his wife. And so the Church of Jesus Christ is to be a place where discipline is exercised, not out of malice, spite or revenge, but out of concern for the name of Jesus, the glory of his gospel and the souls of those caught in error. The Church is not the Masonic Lodge, It is not the golf club, the Women's Institute, the Orange Order, or any other secular grouping. The church is the body of Christ. It is the bride for whom he died. Therefore, as our love for the church grows, may a mark of that love be our attitude to church discipline. May sinners heed the rebuke of the Lord as church officers exercise the keys of the kingdom. And may sinners flee to Jesus in repentance, trusting the Lord for forgiveness and falling before him as he has disciplined them in his church. And as the whole church witnesses this, 
May they grow in the fear of the Lord as the keys of the kingdom are used. For Christ's sake, may it be so. As always, here are some questions for you to consider. Question 1. What are the two keys of the kingdom and to whom are they entrusted? Question 2. The Westminster Divines give five reasons for church censures. Name all five and explain them. Question 3. If there are five reasons for discipline, there are also three paths of discipline. Once again, name all three and explain them. And question 4. Discipline does not seek to destroy But what is the end goal of church censures? That's all for today. As always, my name is Scott Woodburn. And until next time, this we confess. (laughs) 